Hi everyone, welcome back to my channel. My name is Peter Barber. I'm primarily a professional opera singer, music producer, and bass vocalist. And today, for the first time ever, truly, I'm going to be digging into my expertise. We are going to be checking out and breaking down the one of the most famous scenes in opera, one of the best scenes in all of opera, <clears throat> one that I have the pleasure of performing right now. Last night was uh, my second performance as Don Giovanni in Don Giovanni at the Academy of Vocal Arts in Philadelphia. And this is the absolutely legendary commendatory scene from that. And this video we're going to be watching is, in my opinion and, and most people's opinion, the best version of this scene performed within the last 30 or 40 years. Um, only to be rivaled really by, you know, the uh, mid-20th century performances where you have people like Sieppi playing Don Giovanni, you have, you know, Giotti playing Commendatore, you have uh, Flagello playing Leporello, names like that, legendary old-time, you know, Italian names like that. But today this is going to be the version with Samuel Remy as Don Giovanni, uh, Ferruccio Furlanetto as Leporello, <clears throat> and Kurt Mall as Commendatore. Um, this is going to be a very long video, I'm sure. There's going to be a lot to talk about. You guys will get to see me actually dig really deep into operatic technique and other musical aspects. I have my uh, score here with me, just in case you want to get in there. So, uh, you know, this is actually, if I flip a few pages... This is actually it. This is the commendatory scene. So we'll have that just in case I feel like referencing it. But obviously I know all the notes and <clears throat> pitches and words and everything. All the translations, of course, because I'm singing the damn thing. Obviously this is going to be an analysis. So there will be a lot of pause, extensive, extensive pausing to talk about what is happening. There will be extensive ogling at these amazing singers that, you know, I've been watching this scene for 10, 12 years. It's a, it's a dream to finally get to perform it. Um, a lot of people have been asking me to do uh, some videos on opera stuff because I am an opera singer. So, uh, you know, you see the direct commentary on, on what I do versus, um, you know, what these guys do. It should be, should be really interesting and I'm expecting it to, to be extensive. So, there's a seven minute scene. I'd be shocked if this took less than an hour. Obviously, you guys can already see the timestamp if you're, you know, watching this as it's published whenever that happens. Today is April 30th. I do have a meeting in about an hour and a half, so I'm going to try and keep it under an hour and a half, but, you know, who knows? Um, yeah, let's, let's break it down. Let's break down, you know, in my opinion, the best, the best scene in all of opera. It really, I believe that to be true. Um, please do like this video. Please subscribe to the channel. <clears throat> Hit the bell for notifications. Leave a comment for the algorithm. It could be as simple as, Hi, Peter, or Samuel Ramey is the bomb, or commendatory scene rocks doesn't matter good for the algorithm and if i'm adding value to your experience i mean this will add a lot of info to your your operatic palette if you want to dig deep with me here so if i do that please do consider joining my patreon for as little as one dollar a month and let's just dive in there's no point in rushing because this is gonna this is gonna be exhaustive so uh, let's get into it Just quick, uh, quick backstory. So this shows the first show that trombones were ever used in opera. Uh, 
and I believe the first scene they were ever used was no, they might be in the overture as well. I'm not actually sure. I haven't seen the I haven't checked out the full orchestral score score. Um, but they for sure are like a sign, they're like a symbol of the commendatory of like this kind of epic badassness. Uh, trombone. So that's super cool. Um, D minor is the main theme for the show. It's how the show starts. There's a lot of stuff in D minor. This whole scene is pretty much in D minor. So a lot of the high notes you'll hear um, are D4s, which is like technically a high D for, for a bass voice. Um, traditionally, the role of Giovanni is generally sung by baritones because it takes, it takes a very flexible bass voice to be able to do it. Um, but a lot of the, you know, the great Giovannis in history have been basses like Cesare Sieppi and Samuel Ramey and, you know, Il Liberando d'Argangelo, Brent Turfel, bass baritone. Because um, it's really cool when you can get a Giovanni with that darker color. Um, so as a bass singing Giovanni, it is a, it's an honor and I do think it adds something special because there are, there are low enough notes in the role where if you can stay really full down there, it adds something as opposed to just being comfy on the higher stuff. What makes this scene great, and this is actually relatively rare, because both Giovanni and Leporello even to nowadays are sometimes sung by baritones. I don't know why Leporello is ever sung by baritone, but it does happen. Um, this scene, you have Kurt Maul, one of the lowest basses in operatic history. You have Remy, a, a, a very legitimate bass who is super flexible with crazy high notes. And Ferruccio Furlanetto, a very legitimate low bass that you know sings all the dramatic bass reps. So you have like the ba one of the bassiest versions of this scene also in history. And something really cool about you know this production we're doing at Academy of Vocal Arts is when I'm the Giovanni, we have me who's you know uh, I call myself a bass baritone. I could surely call myself a lyric bass, you know, just like a, a bass with high notes essentially. Um, Griffin Hogan Tracy is our commendatore, who is a very low bass, very, very low bass. Um, and actually, fun fact, we get a lot of our costumes from the Metropolitan Opera, where this scene is taking place in this video. And Griffin is actually wearing the cape. He's actually wearing the cape that Kurt Maul wore in this production you're watching right now, which is super sick. I asked our costumer if she could give me any Samuel Raimi clothing. Unfortunately, she couldn't, but that's just a fun fact. So, me, bass, Griffin, bass, and then both the Leporellos are either a bass or bass baritone. So, we are actually doing a particularly bassy version of this scene when it's me doing the Giovanni. The other, the other Giovanni, who unfortunately has been sick the last few days, is Benjamin Dickerson, a fellow AVA uh, singer. Phenomenal, phenomenal baritone, but very much a baritone. So, in those versions, it's two basses and a baritone. When I sing it, it's three basses. So that's pretty sick. All right, let's back it up. Crazy, crazy bass voice. So this first passage, A3, A3, D4, D3. I'm singing an octave down right now for the time being. Um, <clears throat> so 
Don Giovanni. Now you'll hear Kermal very, very open on that Italian ah vowel because really that's, as, that's kind of as high as you want to be singing. If you're a low bass, that's kind of as high as you want to be singing what's called totally open before you start figuring out how to navigate with your secondo passaggio where you start doing like vowel modification and such like that. Mozart said it like this because the highest note that you sing fully open without any kind of covering is going to be very likely the loudest note in your range. So what he did is he put it in D minor. So it's got that, you know, dark kind of feeling already because it's minor. And then he just wrote tons and tons of high Ds for both Giovanni and for Commendatore so that a lot of the scene you have the orchestra blasting and you have Giovanni and Commendatore blasting at the top of their like fully open range. Um, so like that that note, Don Giovanni, that, that high D there is going to be crazy loud because Kurt Moll is a basso profundo. That's going to be the highest note he's going to want to take fully open in his range. And I'll just be pointing out little things about how we opera singers modify vowels. So Don Giovanni, E, E, E. Generally, we, to keep, to maintain that darkness and space, in addition to all the other classical technique elements, you're going to turn that E into more of an E. Vani, e, 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 instead of E, 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 like a bright E. And that just, it may, you still get just as much cut in the sound uh, because of the tongue position, really. But you add, you maintain warmth and roundness to the sound as opposed to being bright. So pay attention to that and, and watch the, the lips rounding for that E. It turns almost more into like a French U uh, when, you, when you sing that vowel to maintain that color. It's blurry, but you can, if you, if you look real, well, I don't know if you'll be able to see it on the tiny little screen, but Kurt Mahl is going, Vani, like that. Acenarteco. He doesn't roll that R, which uh, normally would be, if you're going to be really true, clean Italian, Cenarteco. There you go. Mean V instead of mean V. Mean V. Mean V. So he's keeping that warmth by rounding those lips, even on that, that pure Italian E vowel. That's as open and bright as you're going to see a bass mouth in opera like this because we're almost always round i mean pretty much every voice type in most of the range we're going to be rounding slightly to keep a little bit more warmth in the sound a little bit more warmth and darkness so if you see someone going that's they are like fully wide open mouth bright sound high volume So that's low A. Right? Um, 
Now, something that you just cannot possibly comprehend unless you have done it is how absurdly powerful you have to have flow notes. Like, look, when I'm talking about acapella music and shit like that, the stuff is way lower because it's all studio produced. To be able to sing even down to a low A, an opera that's a low A, against an orchestra, you have to have so much power down there uh, for it to be heard. Seriously, I can't even, it is like, you have to be able to yell at that pitch with like breath support and vibrato. So you can tell it's a nice quality low A, but like I can't even imagine, well, I can kind of imagine actually, uh, like the power in that low A, if you're like right next to Kurt Mull on stage, it would be shocking that someone could sing a note at that pitch that loud. Amy. So you can hear in Ramy's voice. So Ramy also a bass, crazy low range, but Ramy has just an absurd amount of cut in his sound, uh, far more than than Kurt Mall, far more than a lot of singers. Because Ramy, it is a beautiful voice, but it's not as beautiful and warm and round as like Cesare Sieppi or some other some other basses of similar range. It is a beautiful voice, and he's a very elegant, kind of regal style singer. Very top to bottom, so lined up and so consistent. Um, but he has so much cut in his sound. And from what I've heard, he did have a big voice, but not a huge, huge voice. Now, it would be huge to anyone outside of the opera world, but within the context of professional opera singing, he had a, a big voice, not an enormous voice, but he had so much cut in the sound. Like, it was just never an issue for Raimi competing with orchestra. Um, let's keep going. Subito. So on again, the, there there's high D's we hear. Fortunately, so you know by the time I'm singing this and by the time Ramy's singing this, our voices are crazy, crazy warmed up. So like. To be able to sing that fa che subito, subito si porti, to have that subito on that D4 not sound yelly, it has to be so pocketed back in the voice and like so accessible. And like for me, I need to be very, very warmed up for to sing an, a true uh vowel open on a D and have it not sound yelly. And it doesn't sound yelly at all when Ramy's doing it. Um, just like very easy access to that D4 that I mentioned a bunch. And on this in this scene, you do have to do a bit of vowel modification. Like you're gonna see him open up a lot of vowels because to keep them open, you just have to do that. Um, there's a line later that just every vowel pretty much goes to an open position <laughs> because you just have to keep the voice moving and keep pumping out a ton of sound. Uh, but I just wanted to flag that fa che subito si porti. He's going to open up those those D fours there a bit. Listen <laughs> that legato. So that's like singing through those 
Non l'avrei già mai creduto. Just like keeping the voice spinning through absolutely every possible note. Not making it choppy. This is like going for a super legato line. Those rolled R's, those M's. So, so leporello un'altra cena. That's easy. Open A. Now that subito goes closer to that A ah we just heard a minute ago to be able again to keep it open without getting yelly. <clears throat> Subito, subito si porti. So that's a little, so Ferruccio does a little vocal effect here. A padron siam tutti morti. A padron siam tutti morti. So instead of singing the exact pitches, he kind of yells a bit on tutti morti, which like once you've learned the notes, which once you've got everything totally solid, you know, once it's in your bones, that's when you can intentionally start doing more speech-like things to add effects here and there. Like there are a number of parts in this show where I have my written pitches, I know the notes, I know the exact time length to hold each note, but instead I'll do them more like a yell. Um, and go off pitch because if you're doing that all the time, you know you don't know if no one can tell if you know the music or not. If you if you absolutely nail the music the whole time you're trying to, and then you throw in a few moments where you just yell off pitch, basically, then it's like, oh, that's just like a cool effect. Obviously, an artistic choice. So Ferruccio here does that, of course. A padron, a padron, a padron siam tutti morti, and he kind of yells the tutti. Also, Ferruccio, I have heard him live. I have not, I didn't get to hear Kurt Maul live and I have not heard Rami live and everyone's way past their prime at this point. This is from like 1990, early, early 1990s. Um, Ferruccio has the biggest voice I have ever heard in person, no question. And obviously you would never be able to tell that watching this clip. Um, and that's part of because of his positioning near the microphone. And, you know, for these recordings, they do balance them some later. So you can really only tell if you're there in the house or if, or if they are standing right next to each other on stage, then you can compare the two. You still can't tell how loud they are, but you can compare two voices if they're right next to each other on stage. So we get that later with Giovanni and Commendatore. And I'll talk about, you know, the, the, the obvious differences between their voices when we get there. But this guy here singing now, the one that sounds quieter than the other two, biggest, like one of the biggest voices in opera in the last however many years, like an absolute canon of a voice. That guy. Yeah, I'm not kidding. Von, Von. So all these guys, great, like very solid Italian. Vannedico. Vane, vanedico is different. Vanedico, vanedico. You got to have the like double consonants are so, so, so important in Italian. And a beginner singer, it will sound super choppy if they even do the doubles, which they probably won't. Uh, <laughs> you have to actually like be really experienced with Italian diction to 
to nail the diction, obviously. Um, but to be able to do the doubles and to make sure your voice keeps moving through it so it doesn't get choppy despite objectively cutting off the sound. Vun, vun, vun. You know, like it will get quieter, but to keep the voice moving through it is different. I kind of wish I was doing this analysis when I was like warmed up so I could, you know, like demonstrate some of these things. But like I said, you know, this is coming at the end of a three hour performance. Like last, when I was doing this, I don't know, what, 14 hours ago? Super, super warm, absolutely blasting away on all these high notes. But right now, the morning after, not, not gonna happen. So you set the, take my word for it unless I warm up enough during this uh, shooting session. So watch how Remy on Vanedico, Vanedico, that's how you, that's how it would look. He goes, Vanedico. It's like a very, very tall, stretched out, kind of towering eval, again, to accommodate volume and sound. It's just, it's gonna be louder if your mouth is a little bit more open. And I've mentioned before, it's almost all tongue that makes the vowel what it is. So you can do it's, 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 it's you can kind of stretch and mold the vowel if you maintain the tongue position. You can make a much more open mouth position with it. So that's what you do. A lot of the times if you're singing an E vowel, it'll be like, but the tongue, because of the tongue position and how it goes along the top of the mouth, creates that E, those E vowel formants to make it sound like an E vowel, even if your mouth is wide open. It's all, it's all tongue position. So open E vowel on that high D. Ferma un po. That's gonna be a super loud note. That's as high as Kurt Maul is ever going to want to take that open E vowel, that high D. It's nice they have translations here too. Put a little bit of a little bit of in that sound mortare and an open open ah Italian very bright ah Italian very bright ah ah ah. That's a great way to put to to use that word to put a little more cut and kind of ah bite in the sound. <clears throat> Commendatore has these these huge sweeping lines where it's just like one usually one or two breaths, super consistent vibrato. You're just going for the most legato like cruise ship like sound like cruise ship with a bunch of spike bombs on it <laughs> that's commendatory's goal you hear just these sweeping lines and actually our conductor at ABA takes this scene very <laughs> slowly so like all of these lines are even more stretched out than what you hear in this case and uh, it is a it is a test of it is a test of endurance for sure <clears throat> He's got his lips super rounded. You, 
can see, Kurt Maul is just opting very much, despite whatever vowel or words he's singing, to keep a pretty similar mouth position because <clears throat> that is a way to have a cohesive sound, you know, similar timbre, similar color, similar warmth, roundness, power. If you keep as many elements in the same spot as possible while still keeping the diction clear, it it just it just works. It works so much better for the voice and for the listener too, as opposed to like changing your mouth position all over the place like you would in like musical theater because the goal there is much more speech-like. It's much more forward and chatty in most cases, well, compared to opera singing, obviously. In opera singing, it's about the voice. You have to maximize your vocal potential and your vocal efficiency at all times or you will get wrecked by the orchestra all the time, <laughs> especially in a scene like this where it's, you know, it's like, uh, I heard somewhat recently while in this production, like the only thing left after singing Giovanni is Wagner. Now it's not exactly true. Like you think Mozart, you think like lighter voices, lighter singing. There's some big fucking singing in Giovanni. And this scene, like some of Donna's arias, or both her arias are big dramatic soprano singing, or at least full lyric. Um, and then you have this commendatory scene where it's like you can have three dramatic basses on stage like you do here. Um, and it totally works. It's not like, oh, little Mozartian singing. It's like, no, this is big shit. You are, you are ripping it against the orchestra. Now it sounds so crazy because you just can't tell, but to have to have that low A he just sang. Uh, let me see. I'll I can probably demonstrate some low lows. Like to maintain that power down to that low A to where you can hear it cleanly in this recording against the orchestra is insane. Obviously, when I'm doing now, I do have I have a strong low A. Like I have. I have in, in an operatic setting, I do have very solid low notes down to not the profundo level, but down to mo like the average bass roll level. Um, I actually do. I put a low A in this scene. Remy does the same thing. I got it from him. You'll see it later. Um, but I'm telling you, it's so rare. It's rare even for a bass where in this particular line that I just demonstrated that you hear a consistency of sound and volume down through that down through that low A. It sounds crazy, and I know it's hard to tell in this recording, but like, our bass, our bass Griffin, who's doing it now, he's like, I mean, Griffin has, Griffin has like a huge, like a huge low D, a full fifth, a full fifth below that low A. Big, full vibrato, low D, right? Um, and, and he, so, so he, he's got it enough, you know, but it, it takes a voice like that to be, to have that, enough power to where that line stays strong through the end because if that's not there then the line because it's getting lower it kind of gets weaker and weaker so you've got to have a crazy it's the weird thing about commendatore it's a role for dramatic bait for dramatic bass voice for a basso profundo if you've got one <clears throat> but it doesn't go below this note mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't go below a flat too so you know, some beginner bass looks at this role, they're like, Psh, that's not low, I can sing a low C. Bleh. Yeah. 
you need to have a crazy amount of power down there. You know, you're, you're, you're singing these notes against full orchestra and the spectral envelope of the orchestra is very bass heavy. So like you have all this sound in the bottom part of this, the, the frequency spectrum and then it really tapers off. So like sopranos don't really compete much. They're kind of sitting above it. You know, tenors singing high stuff, they're kind of sitting above it. And of course their first, you know, as you get into the harmonic series, like their first harmonic, their second harmonic is like already above any any issue. Basses are just like, it is like this with the orchestra. Like we are in the absolute meat of the orchestra. And so like we have to have a tons of like raw power vocally, just like loud singing and then tons of high harmonic content so that at some point our harmonic series starts cutting above the orchestra. But to sing a low A against an orchestra, like, I'm telling you, it is, it is Olympic level low note singing. Opera is Olympic, is Olympic style singing anyway, but like, it's, it's nutty. To be able to sing low notes and have them heard clearly over an orchestra is bananas. <clears throat> so like when that orchestra goes, that is a wall of sound. That is an entire wall of sound. You can tell because in the recording, it sounds like his voice gets a lot quieter because then the orchestra is further competing with that headspace in the, in the mix with Kurt Maul's voice. <clears throat> so when he says, his voice isn't getting softer, but the orchestra comes in and there's just like, there's just competition of sound. So it sounds like it pulls way back. Altre cure, altre cure. So, altre cure. You see, he's still opting for that position. Now, something really tough about Commendatore, and I've been talking to Griffin about this, is it's so much middle voice. And middle voice is really tricky because it doesn't get that loud. And if you push at all, it just gets worse. It gets breathier. So you just have to sit back and like trust that you're putting out enough sound to be heard and not try to push. And it's really hard not to push a middle voice. And the whole commendatory scene for the commendatory is mostly a middle voice. Altre cure più gravi. Now I'm singing an octave down. But for him, it's just like, it's literally, that's an A3. That is just like, hey, this is exactly my middle voice. Um, and I'm going to sing a whole freaking line right here and not push. And it's actually really difficult not to do and to get enough sound there. He did go to this L a little a little sooner than I would have uh, suggested. Kind of goes altre when really you want to keep that ah there as long as possible. Altre, altre, like right at the end, but he kind of like morphs it. Co instead of cure, like a pure Italian u altre cure. Altre core. He's opting for that bigger, warmer sound. 
Also, just listen to the orchestra. See, that's just long line. Like, it's the funny thing about Mozart that I've discovered is you can sing a Mozart role like shit and get through it. You can really hack your way through a Mozart role and you'll be okay. Maybe not this scene, but most Mozartian passages you can hack your way through. Like, for God's sake, they just did a production of Don Giovanni at my undergrad. Uh, you know, and you have undergrads, you have like 20 year old kids singing Giovanni, like a three hour enormous role, and they get through it. They don't blow their voices out. They can get through the role, right? Um, and then it gets weird. It's this thing where like you get, you get better and better and it almost gets harder. <laughs> Probably because you start out singing Mozart in a pretty hack kind of shit way. And then you actually learn how to sing and then you have to go back and apply that. And then it becomes harder because once you've learned how to sing, there's no hacking. So you're actually like singing fully on all those parts you were hacking, which is actually more tiring for the voice, really, somehow. Ah, it's, it's really interesting. It's kind of a head fuck. Um, but all to say, there are just these long sweeping lines where, where you, you really do... It's tough to hack your way through this scene especially at a slow tempo like you're going to the grave you're 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 giovanni does well no spoilers you're going to the, you're going to die if you try to hack your way through the scene especially as combinatory like that's why usually if you go to an undergrad production like the one they you know they did in my undergrad however a couple of years ago i wasn't there this is years after i left um they had a baritone singing commendatory which makes sense because like it's it's a heroic it is a big ass sing and you've got to have crazy breath support and just be so grounded and solid to just stand there literally like a statue and just rip just rip face and sing and support and uh it only it's like oh what it's only seven minutes of singing yeah but it's like seven minutes of yelling <laughs> it really is physiologically like seven minutes of like like deep and then, like, everything you have for, for seven minutes, you know. Uh, it's a whole... God, it's so fucking sick, honestly. It's so sick. It's crazy. It feels like... It feels like a superhero. Like, when you're really singing full out, and you're just, like, like yell-level singing, it, like, it is a very uniquely cool feeling, especially when there's orchestra there. And the costuming and the lights and all this stuff. It's like... I'll be honest, like I love my I love my YouTube career. I love it. I love working with the bass gang so much. And for the last couple of years, you know, the institution I'm at's really tough. It's really tough. And uh, it's like, do I really want to do this? Do I wanna do I wanna put in this much work on opera? Like, is it worth it? And honest to God, singing Giovanni, doing this role has brought me back to being like, hell yeah, this is totally what I want to do. Uh, which is pretty cool. Um, so that's where I'm at right now. That's why I'm doing this video. I'm like pretty jazzed, pretty jazzed about it. Oh, one more thing, one thing. This is actually the earring I wear as Giovanni in the show. I will, uh, I'll throw up some production photos 
uh, here or in the intro or, or something for you guys to see. Again, guy singing, biggest voice I've ever heard. That's what's so deceptive about hearing opera via recording. <clears throat> no, he is going. He's got this tiplet. Tiplet? He's got this ferruccio here, Leporello, Giovanni's manservant, has this triplet pattern while Giovanni is saying, dude, what the fuck do you want? You know? Parla dunque. Che chiedi? Che vuoi? Um, and it's cool because Giovanni's staying in the duple, ba ba ba, and then Leporello is bop 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 bop. So you've got duple versus triple. Another thing Mozart loves to do multiple times in this very show. Again, watch that eval. Vuoi, vuoi, it's not e, 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 it's very tall and rounded. And Raimi, Raimi is actually, per, like, he's a perfect singer. Um, <clears throat> so perfect to the point, like, so modified and consistent that that's probably what made his career a little shorter than it could have been. There was so much keeping the keeping the voice in the same place that it was a little bit... Opera's already not very natural, the technique itself, but Ramey's was like pretty even more not natural because it was just so engineered. So, but, but Ramey in his prime, like you hear him here, I mean, it is like every fucking note is like... Like you just, you cannot sing it any better. It is like absolutely robot level engineered. Every single note for resonance and space and his Italian is crystal clear. It's like, it is an absolute masterclass on singing opera. <clears throat> So this is really interesting, and this you just get you get insight into what each singer has to do. So Kurt Mall clearly really likes an uh position. Uh uh. So list all these vowels go to uh in a way when he's singing. Clearly, he just really, again, I'm singing an octave down. Clearly, he really, really likes that vowel position, and that vowel position feels right for his voice. And, like, again, this is all freaking. This is B natural. This is still considered middle voice for, for bass. It quickly goes from middle to high voice. But, like, it quickly, it quickly goes from, like, very comfortable to, like, all right, now I gotta start working. B natural, B3. Once you're a trained singer for a bass, that's a joke, it's nothing. So it's like, once you get to that level of comfort and you've got your breast support, you just find the vowel position that works. 
and you go for it because again you are competing against a blasting orchestra so unless you're going let's see Parlo ascolta più tempo. So that would be doing all the vowels true, and he's just putting it all towards uh. <laughs> it's also easier in the in this part of my range. I'm singing. It's much easier to do that. Like low voice, fucking whatever vowel you want, kind of works. And uh, but middle voice, you're kind of dealing with your primo passaggio right there. So you've got a you've got a vowel modify and, and do what works. Like his mouth position does not move. Aside from più tempo, his mouth position does not move. E3 to D4 for uh, parla, parla, ascoltando ti sto. For Remy there. Fucking love these lines. They're so good. But again, like I said, up to that D4, big, open, loud note <clears throat> for bass voice. Tempo no no. Pio tempo no no. That's what I'm saying about vowel modifying. Those are all high D's for, for Kurt Mall for that profundo voice. So he is opening up everything as close as he can to an ah vowel while still kind of like insinuating he's singing the proper Italian vowels. And that is totally the move on this. You do not want to. What are his words here? Parlo as. Ascolta più te tempo no no. He'd get drowned out. Open all that shit up. So I also do that low A. And I'm telling you, he is ripping it, ripping that low A. And I know you can barely hear it in this recording. I'm telling you, I can't even, it would sound, <clears throat> uh, let me just demonstrate the last bit of it. I'm not, it's, it's not gonna be optimal, but the low A should be fine. <clears throat> Ascoltando ti sto. And I guarantee you, Raimi's low A is louder than mine. Because <laughs> he's like a 50, he's probably 51 in his absolute prime in this recording. And I can shred a low A. So I'm just, it's crazy the, the balance and how misleading it is to hear this kind of thing. And if you can barely hear that low A, just imagine how loud these high notes are that you can hear super clearly. Parla, 
Huge. I'm telling you. Huge. Huge low B flat. Huge. Huge, 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 huge. Kurt Maul supposedly could sing down to F1 in chest voice, and I've heard him in an operatic setting sing to B flat, and I will play a clip right here of him obliterating a low a, a low C. Almost a full octave, a full octave lower than this B flat you just heard. And it's a recording where you can actually tell how full it is. This is what we're up against in this scene. It is absolutely absurd what you have to be able to do in that part of your range with this orchestra. I'm getting, woo, getting jazzed thinking about it. I'm probably completely destroying this microphone, but. I'm telling you, whatever I'm doing, he's doing it louder. Oh, big, big roll dar. Versailles. Actually, opts for a pretty close tour there, which is surprising. Usually, uh, historically, he's been more open. On that, yeah, be natural. Yeah, that does get a little questionable because, oh, yeah, be naturals are tough because it's easy to sing them closed, and if you try to sing them open, it gets too open. In most cases, I can I can name a few examples from arias I work on that like you have to you have to like have like this huge amount of space here with like a smaller vowel position, like it's like you sing an ah. And then just like turn it into an ooh to keep enough space there. It's a very tricky note for the bass voice on that vowel. <clears throat> See, because because then there's this. The reason you would avoid that is because now there's this huge disparity between toa dover, toa toa toa. Really, you'd want to probably find find. And go for the open one because then there's not then you get a smoother line as opposed to tua you get tua right <clears throat> shadow vowel orasai instead of just orasai orasai that's a way to just make the diction clearer and show a separation of syllables essentially. It's called a shadow vowel. If you add like an uh, or, I'll flag it. Or, sigh. Again, huge, huge, huge low C. You would consider this a low C in opera. Telling you. Fully open up to the C sharp. Really, <clears throat> that's kind of Kurt Moll's version of covering. So you got respond to me, and then 
Rispondimi. You can, you can, you can, that is one way to cover, to navigate your passaggio, is to go towards more of an uh. uh Morris Robinson is a, a, a current basso profundo that sings this role that certainly also opts for that uh position. Um, in a master class with him one time, I was working on a passage about there, and he told me to put some uh in the sound, and it was actually really helpful. And watch that. It's he's not going respond. He's going respond. He's keeping everything open so he doesn't have to do a huge dramatic shift there. And this is getting high for our boy Kurt Mall. I mean, you can hear it. It's not easy. It's not easy for him up there. Shouldn't be. And Ferruccio, one of one of the great actors, and he is so willing to use whatever vocal color he needs to. You know, for him, it's not all about. He has one of the biggest voices on earth, uh, but it's not about that for him. He is a true artist. Uh, I will link a video of him singing "Ella Jamai Mamo" from Don Carlo. He's, and that's actually what I got to see him in. I got to see him sing Philip II in Don Carlo, and uh, it's one of the most moving performances. Ever. It brings me to tears. I will leave a link for that. Every note is perfect. Every note is sung perfectly. E, I think D to B. Yeah, yeah. Wide open. So risolvi, risolvi opens that to completely ah. And then again that that rounded lip for the E. Listen to that use, just use of the rolled R's to keep the line going. Just perfectly streamlining that vocal line through all the consonants. That is about where Kurt Moll maxes out, and that's where it's supposed to. That's a high E for Profundo, super loud. Uh, fucking, it sounds pretty open. Uh, he's probably, I think it's his version of the uh again. But he is hollering. You can tell there's a little extra breath coming through, right? The folds aren't quite staying totally pure, totally efficient. That's a holler. That's a that's a big that's a big healthy yell there. Italy, 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 Italy. 
There, perfect. So that really goes di no di tedi no papam over. But he goes di tedi no di tedi no. Forget the forget the you know forget the notes forget the note values forget the pitch. Let's just make this artistic. That is something I never noticed. Remy covers on Oferma. On that D, but he opens up the D on Verra later. That's surprising. That's very surprising. I would have thought he would have opened that up. You see how you hear how it's not fat, it's so he's 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 lining it up more, he's covering it a little bit, uh, closing it down a little bit instead of It's a subtle distinction, but actually volume-wise, probably somewhat significant, which is why I'm surprised he uh, does that there. I mean his voice still sounds very fresh at the end of this production. You know, that's something to keep in mind this whole time. For Giovanni and Leporello, it's after, you know, three hours of singing. Commendatore, it's only after, like, he sings in the first scene, sings a little bit towards the end, and then sings this big scene. That's it. It's actually a relatively small role. But Giovanni's been on stage most of the last three hours. So, uh, all to say, you do different things to conserve your voice at that point, but, I mean, at this point, you just got to rip. So, I'm, I'm actually quite surprised Remy uh, covers on that E. D eval. Then open on that. No, no, Timor. Wide open. You hear that yelly quality? He opens it up there. Now we're about to get Kurt Moll and Remy next to each other, and you'll be able to hear their voices. In the, in the only way you can compare voices in an operatic recording, truly, is if they're right next to each other on stage. So this, this, this bit here, when he takes his hand, basically Mozart turns it into double time, so he goes, it goes basically into double time there to like demonstrate how fucking Giovanni's like, oh, this is bad. This is really bad. Should not have grabbed his hand. I'm screwed. Uh, just, I mean, Will Mozart's a genius. And this is, again, this is the best scene in opera. So. <laughs> That's l'ultima, nell'ultima momento, l'ultima. You're not going to get a pure U on that D. L'ultima. 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 L'
It's not gonna go anywhere. L'ultima momento. Open that shit up. Okay, so can we appreciate the Ramey's voice cuts like a fucking a blade, dude? Listen to how much cut is in, how much steel is in that sound. So he opts, doesn't do it. That's another, that's an artistic choice. Supposed to be an ENA3. He just goes, meh. It's better that way. Shout it. This is the most, this is crazy intense. Dude is, dude is in real trouble. All high Ds. So, whatever value you need to do, let it rip, baby. <laughs> Raimi is just cutting. I love Kurt Maul. I think he is truly one of the great, maybe maybe the best profundo in opera, in the opera setting of all time. But, bro, Raimi is cutting ten times above right now. They're hollering and you can barely hear them in this dissension because the orchestra's blasting so loud. So that is no, no. That's how it's written. Baritones will opt for no, no. Do a high A sometimes. Um, Raimi opts for like a, a yell kind of towards the high A. I think a yell works much better um, than especially singing the low A. It's just not exciting and you probably can't hear it. Um, I do kind of a mix. I kind of yell right on the high A when I do it. Um, it's kind of whatever you're feeling in the moment. I think yell. I don't think, I definitely don't think sing the low A. That just sounds lame. Um, and Ramey goes for just like a kind of straight up yell. And it's going to depend on what your conductor wants. You know, the con some conductors might want you to do it come scritto, meaning as written. Um, or at least pitch values uh, or pitch lengths as written. Ramey holds his much longer. This is written for a half note in. No, no, off. Ramey goes, no, no. Pretty much holds it for like a full, full measure. Those are all supposed to be half notes. No, see, no, see, right? But they're all—they're both holding them longer. This, this, 
this cannot be overstated. Kurt Maul sings the low D, optional, not written. And you can actually hear it against the orchestra. Absolutely bonkers. The lowest note that's written is that A flat. It's a B flat. My low D wouldn't have a king chance against the orchestra. The A flat, maybe, but that A flat is the lowest note that's written. That's the lowest note in the commendatory role. So people are like, oh, A flat, that's not very low. What? I can sing that. Even a tenor could sing that. Yeah, fuck off. You have a huge, you have a huge A flat to have any shot. Anyway, this is a very famous line. He's one of the very few people, very few people that has opted for the low D and actually been heard. Covers that pian as well. Pian, pianoror. I'm singing all that shit open. Pianoror. Come on. Uh, this is another part where, like, you've got to be. So this. Da quattremore insolito, sento assalili spiriti, donde escono quel vertici. This is all like low middle voice. Chances are, if you're a baritone and you're singing this shit, you're not going to be heard. Even at a D3, y'all. That's what I'm saying. It's like. That's not a low note, but to have the power there to be heard when the when the orchestra's blaring, like there are there are plenty of baritones that sing this that they're just going to get drowned out. But you can hear Ramey very very clearly because he has so much power in that middle part of his range, <clears throat> because he has so much lower, so much you know below that he can use as a bass. It's also very speech like. So in addition to getting the text out here, da qual tremore insolito sento assaliti spiriti. <clears throat> You've got to get that text out because it's so powerful and so uh, harrowing and horrifying, quite frankly. He's getting ripped apart. His soul is getting ripped apart at this point. Um, you also want to keep a legato line so you can actually be heard. So it's not just it's not just text. It has to be all the text, but it has to have some legato singing underneath so there's a line of tone to be heard. <laughs> <clears throat> There's barely any chorus, opera chorus in this show. <clears throat> there's only like a couple of scenes. There's one, <clears throat> a couple of scenes in Act One, and <clears throat> then this scene. It's basically saying all your sins, uh, you, like you deserve way worse for all the shit you've done in your life, buddy. And there's a worse pain waiting for you. And it's just this huge, all male, all male chorus of like, yeah, you're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so badass. <laughs> 
listen to that orchestra. Closes that key terror as well. But look at this, look at this text. Who lacerates my soul? Who torments my body? What me? What look of desperate? Uh, je- yeah. So like, uh, like this is like yeah, actually pretty pretty close to to proper proper translation actually. Um, it's brutal. This is brutal. This is the guy who's been absolutely coasting on looks and confidence and wealth and is unstoppable, is unshakable, gets away with everything, and now he's finally getting it. Um, <clears throat> it's crazy. <laughs> he closes that K instead of I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised he's not opening all of those D's on the on the open evals. I'm surprised he's closing any of those down, especially this close to the end of the show. I mean, get the volume, Raimi. Nah, he does it. Closes that one. I don't Forget it, dude. Forget it. Oh my god. It's a it's just such a masterpiece. Believe it or not, not the end of the show. There is a finale, you know, because of like the time period it's written where it's like the all the other characters come on, they're like, see, this is like what happens to you if you do all this bad shit. We have to have a very clear moral. Uh the Often nowadays, the show ends with this scene, which I think is how it should be done for sure. Um, we are not doing it that way this year, even though all the singers wish we did. We're doing the actual finale. Um, this is just the most epic ending to a show ever. So, point out a few more things that Raimi does differently and that I've taken from Raimi because this is one of my favorite performances. Um, you hear that yell, which he does come escrito. There we go. Oh, so that's a D4 yell. He kind of, it's actually a little off pitch too, so he's already getting into that kind of yell mode. Oh, but I'll sing it how it's written. So it goes, Listen to what he does. It's radically different. It's also pretty much what I do when I perform it. Like, how much cooler is that than... 
¡Qué terror! Ah! It's like Mozart was expecting you to do something with it. ¡Qué inferno! ¡Qué terror! Ah! They're just yelling at the end. Full-on yell. Um, absolutely, I bet we're going to listen to this whole final section again. Because... We're listening to Kermal's low D, too. It's just unbelievably good. It's just... Ah. If this scene doesn't get you getting jacked up about how cool opera can be, and not all opera is this cool, I'll admit, but this opera is this cool. Enjoy. I can't believe I get to sing it. Like, I can't believe I sang that shit last night. And a few more performances left. It's <laughs> it's just the most incredible thing. It's the most incredible thing to be a part of. Um, wow. All right. Woo! 140. So what I do? About an hour? Hour and 10 minutes? Now, actually, believe it or not, believe it or not, I could go much, much slower with this analysis. This was like a... This was my speed run. Uh... I could literally talk about what they're doing vocally on every pitch, this entire scene, and why they're doing it, and why the exact vowel choice they're making is why they're making it. And that's just talking about the singing. You know, could talk about the Italian, could talk about the costuming, the orchestra, the whole, the drama of the piece, the acting choices, especially doing those close-ups, what they're doing facially, like inner monologue shit. This is like, this is still just scratching the surface of how deep you have to get in a role to really do it justice. Like if you really want to do a great job with a role, you have to get 10 layers deep. You learn the notes, right? This is how we all start. I was listening to a recording of myself from undergrad the other day because I realized there was access to it on my undergrad's website. And it's like, yeah, I remember I didn't know hardly any of my translations well enough to know what I was saying in time. A lot of the stuff was messy. The Italian was actually okay for undergrad, but still shit. Um, the singing, absolute trash. Like no support, no legato, no nothing. 
And, you know, no, like, no character thought into what I was doing aside from, like, it was a boss buffo role. So I was just, like, being blustery and shit. But, like, what I've done, this prep I've done for Giovanni is, like, he's a real fucking character on stage. Like, when I'm up there, I'm thinking in character. I'm responding to lines in character. And I know this sounds obvious, but, like, you really have to get deep to be at a point, especially, like when you've had to memorize so much music and text and translations and what everyone else is doing to really be able to respond authentically and have authentic facial expressions to like, oh, this fucking guy. God, like, I, yeah, I needed him to show up. Mancava questo in ver. You know, like, this kind of stuff. And it, it feels really cool to have... I've never gotten this deep with a role. And part of that is because I think it's a perfect role for me in absolutely every possible way. It just... It just is. It's a role I've, I've known would be good. It's a dream role, and I finally got to do it, and I hope I sing it a bunch throughout my career. But my point is, like, me, me talking about vocal technique for an hour and 15 minutes is just one tiny sliver of what we have to do as professional opera singers to prepare accordingly. It's, uh, it's a huge undertaking. And you can get away with doing a lot less, especially if you're a decent natural actor and you've and you can sing well, most people won't care and won't notice the difference. But it's like where you set your own standards, right? Like everyone, everyone thought I did a great job with that undergrad performance. And at the time I thought I did a great job. And now looking back, I'm like, holy shit, like does that even count? <laughs> it counts, it's undergrad, it does, it's like whatever, building blocks. Um, but it's been fun to deep dive and be like, okay, how deep can I get and also, I can still look back and be like, okay, I see places where I can get even deeper in a role. Now, I've been studying this role for a couple, a few years now. I started studying in my first year at AVA, and now I'm at the end of my third year. So it's pretty deep. It's pretty deep in my bones, but there are always places to go deeper. Um, and there are definitely still things I'd like to improve on vocally, uh, character-wise, you know, whatever. Uh, it's just wild. It's, it's really, doing this role has really reinvigorated my um, excitement about opera. You know, I was really teetering, to be honest, for a while. Like, do I really want to do this? Like I, like I said, I love the YouTube stuff. Um, and I know I could grow that a shit ton if I just focused more time on it. Love the bass gang stuff. Um, love it, you know? And opera, it's a lot. It's a big weight to carry. But shit, man. You get to do shit like this. I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing like performing something like this live with orchestra. Nothing um, in my experience of life so far. There may be other things that can match it that are different, but it's pretty, it's a, it's a pretty peak experience. Um, so that's that, guys. I hope you enjoyed this uh, pretty extensive, pretty extensive vocal analysis of what's up. I hope you guys get a little look inside my brain about what we do as professional opera singers, right? Uh, different than people who sing it as a hobby or people that go on fucking America's Got whatever and try to sing opera. This is a little sneak peek about what it's really about. It's not about trying to mimic some singer on a recording and then and then calling that opera. No, 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 no. There's a lot more that goes into it. And I'm very passionate about that. And I will die on that hill. And I will always, I will always acknowledge talent for people who have it. Like... A video I really enjoyed doing was when Rob and Austin from Home Free sang Nessun Dorma because I think both of them 
uh, especially Rob, as far as operatic technique is concerned, like crazy amount of potential. Like what? Like absolutely insane. Um, but like that, what those two did, that's not being an opera singer, right? There's so much more that goes into being an opera singer. Someone that just pops out an operatic aria, that does not make you an opera singer. It just doesn't. It's like, you know, I've, I fucking, you know, a couple of years in a row did my taxes with H&R Block on my own. Wow, am I, am I a fucking accountant? No, <laughs> I'm not an accountant. I don't know anything about taxes, <laughs> you know? I don't know if that's a one-to-one -one comparison, but it's it's like that. Um, this is cool. This is revealed. I hope you guys have uh, enjoyed the, the passion I've got for this, especially this particular scene. Um, hope you guys got some appreciation from these unbelievable singers. I hope I hit home how crazy it is to sing <clears throat> against an orchestra as a bass. Um, and that's just one part of everything that's happening in this scene. There's so much more you have to be keeping track of, not just the singing. It's all got to be like baked in muscle memory. Uh, this was super fun. Guys, please like, subscribe. If you got a lot of enjoyment out of this, uh, join my Patreon for sure. Um, if you'd like me to do more deep dives into opera, I mean, dude, I can talk all day about it. Like this is the, this is the easiest and most fun stuff for me to comment on. So like if I could shift part of my content towards like actually talking about what I do, yes. Uh, please. So leave all suggestions. Guys, I love you. Thanks so much for the support. This has been really fun to comment on. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed my breakdown of the best scene in opera. And I'll see you for the next one. Peace.